0: Welcome to episode 79 of the Savvy Shopkeeper Retail Podcast. Are your personal opinions hurting your retail business? I'm your host, Kathy Cruz. So my intention for this episode is to bring to light how our own personal thoughts and opinions can actually affect our businesses and we may not even realize it. First, I want to start off with a shopkeeper shout out. This one was titled A Wealth of Information. The reviewer said, this podcast shares so much information, all for free. I am a new brick and mortar store owner, and they put in parentheses six months, and strive to learn all that I can. The Savvy Shopkeeper podcast gives insight from those who are in the same boat as me, a priceless value. Thank you. And they didn't include a name, but they included a username. I'm guessing this was on Instagram, Yellow. Tulip design, yellow tulip design. We'll be sure to link the Instagram profile in the show notes, but thank you so much for the five star review. I really appreciate it. So, before I started to record this podcast episode, this was, gosh, I sometimes draft or outline podcast ideas. It could be months in advance. And I feel like this one was a few months ago. And I remember asking my husband and my bonus son, Logan, Some ideas for titles, and I ran the concept of the podcast episode past them. I think we were in the truck, and Logan said he gave me the title of Don't Listen to the Internet. (laughs) That was his title. And I made sure I included that in my notes for this podcast episode whenever I recorded it. But he makes me laugh, so I just had to share that. Don't Listen to the Internet, which is probably really good advice in general, sometimes, right? So moving on to the episode, it doesn't matter what age you are, your 20s, your 30s, your 40s, 50s, 60s, or even older, we all accumulate so many programmed thoughts during our lifetime. This really became clear to me over the past year as I personally worked with a coach myself. And I had to work on, oh, probably a dozen programmed thoughts in my head. (laughs) And it's really important that we identify some of these thoughts. Some of these programmed thoughts are just that though. They're thoughts. We can actually choose to stop those thoughts and think differently. I know sometimes it's hard to believe. And when I work with one-on-one clients, It takes a while for them to also identify like, yeah, I can control my thoughts. I can determine what I think. And it takes time to get there. But it's true. So today I want to talk about some common thoughts where the brain is probably trying to protect you, and maybe it has for many years, but the thoughts might be doing a disservice to your retail business. So I have a whole list of them, and I have a feeling that as I share these, you might even start to identify other similar thoughts or um, other similar thoughts that maybe lead to not, you know, not really helping your business. Shopkeepers across the country are expanding and opening up new locations by partnering with Honeycomb. Forward-thinking entrepreneurs like you that created your business for your consumers are unlocking much needed funding by allowing your community and super fans to invest directly into your growth. To learn more about how community capital can help you open your next location while embracing your ability to market your brand and increase consumer engagement, visit honeycombcredit.com slash brand. That's honeycomb.com credit.com slash brand. So it'll make more sense as I share these ideas or the list of thoughts that I have here. Number one is I don't like marketing pop-ups on a website. They annoy me. So I won't put them on my own store's website. And the result is you lose probably so many email signups ups. The truth is pop-ups are an effective marketing tool. I can attest to that. I have pop-ups on both the Savvy Shopkeeper website and my store's website, and they both work. Do they annoy me? Yes, for sure. Sometimes on websites, even more, like there are some websites that they bother me more because the way they pop up or you get like three back-to-back pop-ups. Now, of course, I wouldn't recommend that, but I will link... An article from sumo.com that talks about pop up statistics because I think it's important to prove to your brain that pop ups are actually an effective marketing tool. So that was example number one. Example number two is I hate my cluttered email inbox, so I won't utilize email marketing to reach my customers. I don't want to flood my customers with a bunch of emails that will just annoy them or that they never open. Well, the result here is you lose revenue. Statistics show that email marketing has an excellent return on investment, a really good ROI. For this particular example, I will also share a linked article, I think it was by Constant Contact, that talks about email marketing statistics. Now, I'm not going to link a ton of articles, Those are the only two I'm going to link, but I think what I wanna do here. Is show that you might have one thought and you might have the thought that's annoying, but truth is, something else is actually effective. So, one of the stats that I want to show you, an example regarding email marketing, is that, like, let's say, for example, I think the article said that there's a $42 return on investment for every dollar you spend on email marketing. Now, you all know by now that I use Flowdesk and with my Special offer, you can actually get Flowdesk for half off. It's normally $38, but you pay $19. We'll be sure to link that in the show notes, but that's not the point here. The point is, I spend $19 a month on Flowdesk, and for every dollar that I spend, I get $42 in return. Calculate that times 12 months, and that's $9,576 for a return on investment for the year. Now, of course, This isn't going to fit for everyone. Not everyone will get $42 return on investment. I personally haven't tracked this. I do, I wanna track it now, but I just wanna point out the potential in email marketing and that there are statistics and there are studies to show that there's a good return on investment. So even if you have a really cluttered inbox, and I feel like I need to do an episode on that to help you clear that out, But if you have a cluttered inbox that just drives you nuts and you don't wanna keep getting emails so you don't send emails out, I want you to rethink that. Moving on, so I don't keep going down that rabbit hole. Example number three is, I don't throw anything away, it's wasteful. The result here is you start to get really cluttered storage rooms, really cluttered offices, and cluttered workshop areas, Or you start to accumulate inventory, which I'll save that for another example down the road, but let's just talk about cluttered areas, cluttered workspaces. And I'm sure you've all heard the saying, a cluttered space is a cluttered mind. So I just want to point out that I often talk about clearing our brains or doing things or managing our time in ways that clear the clutter So rethink that. Rethink that you have to hold on to everything. The more clear your space is, particularly your workspace, the better your brain is going to work. And I'm sure there are studies on that. I'm just not going to link anything and I didn't find anything, but I am certain there are studies on that that prove that a less cluttered space is going to help you work more efficiently. Okay, example number 4 is I don't pay full price for a thing, so why should my customers? I personally know quite a few people that this applies to, and I think uh, one or two of my group members said this was them too. But the result is you end up discounting everything because you don't you feel bad or you don't want a, your customers to pay full price since you don't pay full price for anything. But in the end, that hurts your bottom line. People pay full price, and pe- like me. <laughs> I pay full price for a lot of things. Do I resent it? Do I hate it? Do I sometimes wish... That I could have gotten a better deal or do I sometimes see that it went on sale a couple weeks later? Yeah. But for the most part, I don't go back to the retailer and ask for a refund. And yes, of course, you might get that occasional customer, but I don't get mad about it. Do I sometimes think, darn, I missed out on that deal? Yes. But for the most part, consumers don't do that. And plenty of them are willing to pay full price unless you start to train them, that you continuously discount everything, and then they're just going to wait for you to discount it. So don't hurt your bottom line because of the way you think or you personally shop. All right, example number five is, I don't, similar, is I don't buy luxury, so why would my customers? And the result is you hurt your profit margin. You know, the more you can make on an item, let's say, for instance, if you sell a, a bunch of items that you buy at $5 and sell them for $10, that's, a, that's just a $5 return on that item. But let's say you, you have a home decor store and you start to buy items that are maybe $25, $30 at wholesale, but you sell them at $70, there's a big difference there. And I can, I'll be the first to say that something that we did in my own store, probably for our first couple of years, is we bought small, small in terms of price. And we realized our customers were actually looking for more, and they were actually looking for for bigger home decor items. They were furnishing homes with taller ceilings, bigger rooms than the homes that we live in. And we had to serve their decorating needs. We couldn't just sit within our own little store, and our own little space, and our own small minds, thinking just buy small and sell small. We had to start serving our customers better. So just because you may not buy luxury items or you may not spend $50, $75, $100 on a vase does not mean that your customers won't. So of course you want to pay attention, but be careful there. All right, example number six is I'm not good at math, so I'll never understand a bookkeeper and I'll never understand my financials and no one can teach me this, so I'm just going to avoid it all. And the result is your business may be drowning and you may not even realize it. Or you don't understand why you can't pay yourself. Maybe you're thinking, man, I I bring in all of this revenue. You know, I've worked one-on-one with clients who, Who generate $50,000 in revenue a month, but couldn't figure out why they couldn't pay themselves or why they were just making enough to buy more inventory and to pay the expenses. Or in some instances, why they were starting to drown in debt. All right, the next example is, I know what I'm doing. I don't need advice. (laughs) Do you know? Do you know someone like that? Where their ego gets in the way So in this situation, the result is you, if you think you know it all, but you're still struggling in your business and you're not willing to take advice, there's a chance that you're hurting your business. Don't let your ego stand in the way. If you're struggling and you need help, ask, get advice, be willing to take it. Example number eight, It's annoying when I buy something at full price, then it goes on sale. So I guess this is kind of related to the one I said earlier, but I'm going to run with it. (laughs) Whoever said these podcast episodes are perfect. So I'm afraid to mark my items down so my customers don't feel annoyed as well, or my customers don't think I deceived them. So in this instance, if you're not marking things down and you're holding onto a lot of merchandise because you're afraid to discount it, because that person paid full price a few weeks ago, or maybe at this point months ago, what ends up happening is you don't clear out old merchandise. So I guess the result in this example is a little bit different. But what I don't want you to do is to feel that you can't discount because that's going to keep you in a really stale environment, which means when your customers come in, they're going to feel that too. They're going to notice all the same things in your store. Six months later, a year later, and I've talked about this before. It's definitely It could definitely hold your business back when you do that. So be careful around that. All right, example number nine is, I'm an introvert, so I'm not good with social media. Now, before I move on with this one, I am an introvert, hands down an introvert. And some people don't believe me when I say that, but it's the truth. So am I completely comfortable in front of the camera? No. Will I do it? Yes. Does it take practice? Yes, for sure. But if you use the excuse, of being an introvert, you know, to maybe not get onto social media and not talk about yourself and not do those things. The result is you stifle your social media growth. But even more importantly, you stifle the potential connection you can make with hundreds or thousands of followers. I've said it quite a bit this year, people buy from people. And I by no means am Am I suggesting that you need to get live on video, go live on video every day or every week? But you can slowly do things to make you a little bit more comfortable in this arena. What I don't want you to do is use being an introvert as a crutch because I I know what that's like. So maybe start to implement some changes so that you can grow into showing your face more, talking about yourself more. It is all very possible. And oftentimes, it has nothing to do with being an introvert. It usually has to do with some other thoughts or some other things going on. I feel like that could be another episode too. And then number 10 is I hate when people sell to me all the time. So I'm only going to post on Facebook and Instagram three times a week. And the result is sporadic posting and poor results on social media. You know, we all know and we all hear it. And I'm sure, again, there are statistics and there's information out there that proves that the more consistent you are, the better. If you're posting every day around the same time, multiple times a day, we all know it helps to do more and show up more on social media. Be careful around the thinking that everything you post has to be selling something. That's really not the case. And if you visit my website now, if you, if you struggle with social media, if you visit my website now, this is pretty funny that I'm going to say this, there will be a pop-up that comes up that offers a freebie that gives you 75 social media posting ideas for retail businesses. So if you struggle around this, please go to my website, SavvyShopkeeper.com. And grab that freebie because you can pin it on your wall, you can pin it in your office, you can keep it in your binder, whatever, wherever you look at, wherever you are in, your, in terms of doing your work for the store, keep it close by so that you have the list so that you can be reminded of all the other things you can talk about on social media other than selling a product. So many things, but I get it. Sometimes our minds... We have so much going on. We're thinking of doing so many things. That's why I think the, the list and that's why that freebie and that pop-up is so popular because it helps people get unstuck. So go ahead and grab it. Don't think that you have to post all the time just selling things. You can still post probably, you know, three days or three times a day. That's 21 times a week. And maybe only a third of those are selling something in your store. You just have to get creative with it. So how can you start to break these thought patterns or these program thoughts? And the first thing that I wanna say is, don't judge yourself too harshly. And if any of the examples I gave, if I sounded like I was judging you, (laughs) I don't mean it that way. We all experience it. We all have these program thoughts. But this is the most important point I need to make is just don't judge yourself too much. It happens to all of us. The second thing I want you to do is identify if this is a part of your business that nags you. So for example, the lack of email marketing, is that something that bothers you? I want you to go almost go backward, reverse engineer it. Why don't you email market? Like, why don't you market using emails? And if the thought is, it's because my own email inbox annoys me and I don't want to annoy someone in return, identify that thought. And start to change that thought if you want to. If you want to implement email marketing, if you genuinely feel it would be good for your business, then you kind of have to go back and identify what the thought is that leads to you not taking action there. And then maybe spend some time journaling or writing about it. I always feel like putting pen to paper really helps when we're identifying these program thoughts, particularly the program thoughts that we want to change. And this is a really good way where you can actually break that chain. You can break that thought and start to think differently. So I wanna share some other maybe business-related thoughts that group members brought up because I think these are very related, not quite personal thoughts, but I think we can probably identify with some of these. The first one is I'm not good with technology. And then the result is you don't create another revenue stream like an e-commerce store because you don't want to learn how to set up an online store. You don't think you'll be good at it, which means then you're not meeting your customers where they are. And most likely for most of us, that's online. So many of our customers are online and shopping online. The next one is I can't even pay myself, so why would I hire help? And then the result is you're exhausted, and your business doesn't grow because you can't. You're not bringing in the help you need to give you the space to work on your zone of genius, so that your business can continue to grow. The next one is the Facebook and Instagram algorithms don't favor business owners. And then I hear this all the time: like organic growth is a myth. No one believes that Facebook and Instagram can do anything positive for their businesses. And then the result is you lose out on free marketing. I can honestly say that most of our growth on Facebook and Instagram has been through free marketing, through organic posts. So don't underestimate the power of social media and not even the paid social media. And then the last one is brick and mortar stores generate enough foot traffic. I don't need to market my handmade business. So this one applies to the makers who wholesale to the brick-and-mortar stores and either just kind of hope or sit back and think like, oh, I don't need to do anything else. All of my stuff is going to sell. It's in a brick-and-mortar store. And then the result sometimes is disappointing sales. You can't rely on that brick-and-mortar store owner to market your business. Get out and market your business. Do not count on someone's foot traffic. You never know if that's good or not. So as we're wrapping up here, you know, as a coach, I want to help you identify your own thoughts and help you find your own answers. But as a consultant, I want to help by giving you some answers, which is why I presented each thought with a possible result more importantly, with some factual numbers, like the return on investment in email marketing or some of the other statistics that I brought up. Also, why I'm giving you links to articles to back that up. And I often find myself in this like dilemma. like I, I want to help group members and one-on-one clients identify their thoughts and work on them so that they can find their own answers. But then there's that part of me that's like, but I have statistical information to share with you. I know, based on research and everything that I've read and working with other clients, what works well in retail. So I hope this podcast episode was helpful to you. I hope maybe even during this, you've identified some other thoughts that you have that you want to work on But if you want to see the show notes to this episode and find the links to anything I mentioned, you can visit my blog at Savvyshopkeeper.com forward slash episode 79. That's Savvyshopkeeper.com forward slash episode 79. And if you find this podcast helpful, please share it. Please share it with another business owner, another retail business owner. And even more so, if you don't mind, leave a rating and review on the Apple Podcast app. That really helps. Put this podcast in front of other retail business owners if they're searching for a retail podcast or just in a general feed when they're going through their podcast app. So until the next episode, be savvy and boss up.